one of the um, nice things that I've come to realize is that in speaking to different people in the community, that um, the practice is deepening in a beautiful way. And unfortunately, that sometimes when that happens, uh, a deeper kind of suffering arises. And the wonderful, uh, wonderful is not exactly, the um, necessary and importantly developed um, practice, the reason why sometimes some of these things come up is because as practice deepens, we are no longer willing to live an inauthentic life. And as we begin facing things that haven't been wanting, we haven't wanted to face before, things begin to change finally. Things begin to move. They're not so stuck anymore. And in that movement, often is uh, the consequences are uh, appropriately difficult. But thankfully, um, almost always when that happens, a person's practice is deep enough to meet that situation. So, even though it's difficult, there's both a very deep feeling of pain, but also an underlying kind of a smile, you know, that what needs to happen is happening, finally. There are also uh, things that happen in life, as I've said many times before, that are just simply painful, simply because we each have our own world, universe of causes and conditions our universe of karma, and that karma has to be lived out. And sometimes in the living out of that karma, there things happen that are painful, beyond words. And in that way, too, we have to be willing to be open and meet each of those situations, both with a heart as wide as we can muster. And a sense of emptiness, both, so that we can meet these difficulties in reality, right, without ignoring reality. And yet, at the same time, as I've said often, 
with a deep respect of each person's path. So we meet it with as much clarity and appropriate response as we can, and then with an open hand, right? Letting go, allowing each person's life to manifest. Without both of those qualities, it's impossible, I think, to both be, allow ourselves to be human, you know, with all our foibles and failures and problems, and yet at the same time walk through this life with a deeper sense of gratitude and appreciation for life as it has come to be. The path is not easy. We've said this from the beginning. It takes a lot of courage, a real willingness to be with whatever is arising, humor, Determination, community, and a real commitment to take responsibility for your own awakening. So, with this um, wonderful returning and noticing that people are dealing with things and very deep things now, but also have had nice tastes of emptiness. And like I was talking about in the three-day retreat that we did, there's this shift that can happen that's kind of a choice even as we have tastes of emptiness. There's a shift from living a life based on me and my pleasure and my, uh, what I want, my safety, my security, my happiness, my small mind, what my small mind wants, a shift from living in that mind to living from a wider place, Uh, we see distinction and difference and individuality, but we see the wholeness first. There's a shift. And as that shift deepens, as that sense of that taste of, we can say emptiness or awareness or whatever, Buddha nature, whatever you want to say, out of that infinite possibility, quite naturally arises uh, love. It is a 
along with our, uh, can I say, <laughs> along with the truth of our true mind, our true nature, our Buddha nature, and faith that we are Buddha, our natural inheritance, also our natural inheritance is this quality of love. And I always used to think that this quality came out of emptiness and that if I just had a deep enough experience of emptiness that I would have this gigantic love come along with it. And (laughs) it's kind of true, actually. But it's equally as true that maybe if we don't have, you know, immediate connection with that kind of mystery that we can cultivate this sense of great, expansive, unconditioned love that allows us to meet the difficulty in life without turning away and without getting caught. So this cultivation is encouraged by the Buddha. In the Anguttara Nikaya, there's a little encouragement blip from the Buddha, which I really always liked. Abandon what is unskillful. One can abandon what is unskillful. If it were not possible, I would not ask you to do so. If this abandoning of the unskillful would bring harm and suffering, I would not ask you to abandon it. But as the abandoning of the unskillful brings benefit and happiness, therefore, I say, abandon what is unskillful. Cultivate the good. You can cultivate the good. If it were not possible, I would not ask you to do it. If this cultivation of the good would bring harm and suffering, I would not ask you to cultivate it. But as the cultivation of the good brings benefit and happiness, therefore I say, cultivate the good. Isn't that great? So the Zen path is as much about love as it is about emptiness. And we can hear that if we listen. It's not emphasized. We don't talk about it as much. But it's there. It's there in the way we teach, I teach anyway, the precepts. Because the precepts are based on non-harming and a realization of the wholeness, the oneness, non-separation. And they are a mirror for us in that way. What are the 16 Bodhisattva precepts? (laughs) Should we do it again? What are the three refuges? Buddha Dharma Sangha. Take refuge in the Buddha, your own awakened mind, 
Take refuge in the Dharma, the teaching. Take refuge in the Sangha. We can't emphasize this enough. It's really hard to do it alone. Please. What are the three pure precepts? Ah, I see. I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) Do good. Don't do evil. Live for the benefit of all beings. So far, so good. Ten more to go. (laughs) What are the ten specific precepts? Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't misuse sexuality. Don't intoxicate. Those are the big five, right? And the other big five. (laughs) What? Don't go, don't don't idle speech. You can idle, don't gossip. Don't slander. Don't just dis, don't just. Dis, that's a different one. Don't put oneself above others. Don't harbor ill will. Don't be possessive. This is the disparage one. Don't disparage the three treasures. Well done, group. So if you practice those understanding that they are based on a sense of non-harming and oneness, and you practice those always looking for where you have a sense of separation. It's how to practice with the precepts. And then we also have, the in Zen, part of the bodhisattva path, bodhi, what does bodhi mean? Too much? Wake, awakening, sattva, being. Oh, what good. Awakening being, bodhisattva is our way. The Buddha said, how many bases, Buddha was asked, how many bases for training are there for those seeking enlightenment? The Buddha replied, there are six. Can we do the six? Think so? What are the six paramitas? Generosity, patience, compassion, wisdom, ethics, energy. This is Zen training. This is Zen training. When we can, can I say, um, when a bodhisattva, I've said this to you guys before, there comes a time in our practice, we're always taking responsibility for our own awakening, but there comes a time in practice when we're not selfing so much. We still continue our practice without question. But there's like this turning that happens that we are now 
practicing not only for ourselves, but we're also holding out a hand in whatever way, even if you're just a little bit ahead of somebody who just walked in the door, you turn around and you give that person a hand. And for us, that is our way to liberation. It is not a path only for ourselves that is transcendent in some way. And then we say, thank you. I'm free. I don't suffer anymore. Goodbye. (laughs) That's not our way. And it's not only just not our way, we actually need to turn around and hold up our hand in order for us to have a path of liberation. That is our path. And partly, it is our path because in order to walk this path that has such difficulty, our own difficulty, facing our own pain and suffering as well, as the pain of suffering that arises in relationship in our life, we have to live a life of vow. Otherwise, can't do it. We can't depend on the usual way of reaching for things or reaching for fame or, or you know, uh, money or whatever the usual society thinks will make us happy and secure. It doesn't work. The only thing that works is to live a life of vow beyond individual karma. And the vow that we take as Buddhists, as Zen Buddhists, is the vow of a bodhisattva. Impossible vow. Maybe... Maybe not. Maybe not. The feeling of this vow comes from Shantideva, 8th century Buddhist monk who lived in uh, Nalanda University in India, which had thousands, evidently, thousands and thousands of monks. There's a story about this um, Shantideva guy when he was teaching this particular uh, teaching of these paramitas and so on. He was teaching, and as he taught, well, I guess I didn't tell you more of the story. Everybody thought he was a nincompoop, another one of these, just like the sixth ancestor. Everybody thought he was like a nothing guy. And then suddenly he comes out with his teaching, and as he was doing this teaching, he begins to levitate, <laughs> you know, and rises. Finally, I think he rises all the way up the sky, and then he disappears. Is that what happens? I think so, yeah. <laughs> disappears. <laughs> okay. You've heard this before. I've said this before. I've said the end a lot. I like it a lot. This is what the Dalai Lama says every day. This is the path of a bodhisattva. This is our path. Okay. May I be a guard for those who are protectorless, a guide for those who journey on the road. For those who wish to go across the water, may I be a boat, a raft, a bridge. May I be an aisle for those who yearn for landfill, fall, and a lamp for those who long for light, for those who need a resting place, a bed, 
for all who need a servant, may I be their slave. May I be the wishing jewel, the vase of plenty, a word of power, and the supreme healing. May I be the tree of miracles, and for every being, the abundant cow. Like the earth and the pervading elements, enduring as the sky itself endures, for boundless multitudes of living beings, may I be their ground and sustenance. Thus, for everything that lives, as far as are the limits of the sky, may I provide their livelihood and nourishment until they pass beyond the bounds of suffering. As long as space endures, as long as there are beings to be found, may I continue likewise to remain to drive away the sorrows of the world. Uh, so leaving, leaving um, Zen for a moment, there are other ways, two, usually two ways that in Buddhism they have developed ways of cultivating this open heart aside from insight. We can do this. We can develop a heart that is willing to be with suffering without having to turn away or fix it, but just stay right there, meeting it fully. It's one of the reasons, you know, that it's important for us to meet our own pain first. Because until, then, until we're really willing to meet our, our own pain thoroughly and deeply, there's no way that we can be still with other people's pain. So to cultivate an open heart is important. And the two ways that are offered, one is from the Tibetan From the Lojong 59 slogans, the second chapter, number seven, is called Tonglen. Have you heard about Tonglen practice? Some. Tonglen? A little bit? It's terrific. I really like Tonglen. There are two kinds. Um, One is Tonglen and the other is Metta. And some people just are more open, you know, to Tonglen and it works. Tonglen works better for some, just a different style. And some feel better doing metta practice. When I, I think I've told you over and over again, when I started doing metta practice, the only thing that came up for me was fury. <laughs> it's really, it just made me so angry. <laughs> it's not uncommon. It's really common. You'll see. We're going to do this today. You'll see. Some of you are going to get angry. <laughs> You'll see. Anyway, so um, met, uh, Tonglen practice is... Uh, it's, it's way more thorough than I'm going to uh, suggest that we do now for a little bit. It's way more thorough. But also you can do what um, Pema Chodron calls on-the-spot tonglen or something like that, like short tonglen, which actually I practice quite a bit on the freeway. Uh, not on the freeway. I'm not in California. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in New York. 
on the subway. <laughs> on the subway. It's really, actually, both, I've done both of these on the subway. It's wonderful. Really. So cool. It makes you happy. Makes you really happy. So what you do is, so, here, so here's one way of thinking about Tonglen. It's a visualization practice as much as anything. You visualize a little self, your own self, like a little self-statue, right in the heart area. Okay? So right in the heart. You put a little statue of yourself right in your heart. And then it's on the breath, by the way. Sending and receiving goes on the breath. But in the beginning, when you start practicing it, you can't do it on the breath. There are some people who have been doing this in Tibet, for example, for 50, 60, 70 years. And as they breathe on every breath, they take in other people's suffering. And they, on the out-breath, they send out all of the peace and the joy and the well-being that they have to the other person. It's incredible. Yeah. But for beginners, it can't happen that quickly. So anyway, you have a little um, idea of yourself right in the middle of your heart. And then close your eyes. Okay, we'll try doing this for a minute. So Bring to your heart area a little picture of yourself. Your selfish self, your me self, your separate self. And then visualize in your mind someone you know, someone who it's actually better to do it with someone you know or someone right next to you. But it can also be done with like people who are right now refugees, for example, or a young person who's incarcerated, or any, anyone you want to visualize who is suffering. Big suffering or little suffering, doesn't matter. So there's this self in your heart and a person in your head who is suffering. And presumably on your in-breath, you take out from the person who's suffering in the form of a dark cloud or a, like a roiling dust ball or... A, however you want to envision. But you're basically bringing towards you, sucking out of that person all of the suffering, all of the pain, all of the difficulty, all of the uh, twisted karma. Bring it towards you. Bring it towards you. Bring it towards you. And you bring it towards you toward the heart. And as you begin to bring it towards you and bring it towards you, this energy, this energy comes to your sense of a separate self and it bursts through and your separate self is broken and it flies away in pieces. Your heart is opened 
and out of your heart pours the light of whatever peace and joy and happiness and well-being that you can muster, and you send it out in beams of light towards this other person who needs it. You offer it, you give it, you send it away. And again, if there are any places left in that person who is feeling any kind of pain, you again draw out in any kind of visualization that works for you all of the difficulty, all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the ill will. Bring it toward yourself. Bring it toward yourself towards your heart area where there's any bit of a sense of separate self left there. And it bursts through that picture and it flies away from your heart. Your heart is open and outpouring from your heart is all of the goodwill and peace and ease and well-being that you can muster. And you send it out toward the other person, all of the light, all of the well-being, all of the ease, the healing, the peace. And whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes again. So, you know, you can do this on the subway. It's great to do on the subway. You just pick anybody. Pick anybody and just start bringing towards you. Just suck out of them whatever you think that they're having difficulty with. You don't have to, don't imagine, you know, words. It's not a word thing. You just do it with this visualization. You just draw out of them whatever pain and suffering you think is there. And you just give, give them whatever ease and well-being you feel You just give it away. It's a way of developing a sense of connection. And it destroys a sense of separation. It's really good practice. And the other way that Buddhism suggests that you can cultivate this open mind is through metta. Metta. We say metta, we say the metta sutta all the time. This one has in it a modern version of the Metta Sutta, which I don't have time to read you, but it's here in this book. So we chant the Metta Sutta all the time, but the Metta Sutta doesn't end with just chanting of the Metta Sutta. In fact, none of the practices that we do should end with just words. You should actually, we should actually practice some form of that kind of teaching. So, how many have had some experience with metta? Oh, lots of people. Good. So, <laughs> so metta practice comes from the divine abodes. The four divine. What do we know? What the four divine abodes are? The Brahma Viharas. You guys have metta, oh, lots of experience. Loving kindness, Loving kindness compassion, sympathetic joy, sympathetic joy, sympathetic joy equanimity. equanimity. And 
all, we need all of them. We only met, we, we almost always only do metta, but it really is not. You can't really stop with metta. All of them really depend on equanimity, and all of them need to be really practiced together. But anyway, we always only do. We usually only do metta. But if you go to one of these vipassana retreats, um, you know, a metta retreat, they'll end up pretty much doing all of them. You can't just stop with one. And each one has different phrases that you do. But the one that's most common, the phrases that we usually do are, may I be happy? May I be healthy? May I be safe? May I live in ease or peace? Okay? So now, here's the thing about this. <laughs> that brought me trouble. They already know that people in the West have a lot of trouble with self-worth. So they almost usually don't start with... So anyway, this is the way I was taught. They didn't start with, may I be happy, because they felt that would be too difficult. So they started with, find a benefactor. Now, first of all, I was glad that they didn't start with loving yourself, because I didn't. And I would have been pissed if they started with, may I be happy. So instead, they started with, find a benefactor. Well, that really made me upset, because, <laughs> because I couldn't find one. You know, I didn't think that... At the time, I didn't think anybody was supporting me at all. I felt like I was really alone in the world and that I had, that nobody, basically that nobody cared about me. So I couldn't find anybody to wish well to. So I got furious. <laughs> so they were saying all these lovely things, may, I be, may, may the benefactor be happy, may they be safe. And every time I said one of those phrases, I, was, I just got more and more furious. Which evidently is not uncommon. So, close your eyes. And so, what they, what they began saying after they learned that people got so angry, <laughs> they said, you don't have to find a person as a benefactor. You can also um, think of a plant or an animal or something that you feel connected to. This is not about developing a feeling of love. This is about a sense of connection. So just think of something that supports you in any way. could be a plant, an animal, a person. And then you say, may you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live in peace.
May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live in peace. And then, for yourself, may I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be safe. May I live in peace. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be safe. May I live in peace. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be safe. May I live in peace. And now visualize a friend someone you care about. Could be now, could be in the past. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live in peace. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live in peace. And now pick someone who's neutral. Someone you see in passing at the grocery store, or someone this morning you don't know, you have no feelings about. See if you can visualize such a person.
See if you can include them in your heart. Just widen your heart a little bit. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live in peace. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live in peace. And now, see if you can bring someone who's a little bit difficult. Not too difficult. Just a little bit difficult. And see if you can widen your heart just a little bit more. Knowing that Nobody wants to suffer, and everyone wants to be happy. And people have lived with all different kinds of karma. Nobody wants to be unhappy. So for this difficult E-ish person, May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live in peace. And then think of everyone in this room. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live in peace. think of all the men in New York. Every boy, teenager boy, young man, old man. For all the men, may you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live in peace.
and for all the women, the young girls, the girl teens, the young women, the old women. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you be at peace. For everyone, anywhere, who is not accepted for whoever they are, may they be happy. May they be healthy. May they be safe. May they live in a world of peace. And for yourself, may I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be safe. May I live in peace. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So whatever feelings arise from this is perfectly okay, whether it's angry, anger, or sad, or tears, or doesn't matter. The idea is to develop a heart that is beyond a sense of separation. To truly, truly love in this unconditioned way is to die to separation. And these are practices that work. This is the way of life of a bodhisattva. This is our path. It's not easy, but it is a way, a really deep and good way to live. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.